All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? DJ Anubis and DJ Neko, welcome to the next edition of the Hordes of Chaos, episode one hundred and one on the Middle Time Radio podcast. We are glad to be here with you again. We are—I don't know what we are in terms of the quarantine. We just have to do again, again. <laughs> again. We have to quarantine now. This isn't even like for her job. I could well, say. it's because of my job, right? So, like. I we haven't even been 100% in the office and I've been doing a lot of work at home and vice you know we rotate in and out of the office and because of my mom's illness I have been at home a lot. I have not pushed back because they gave me a lot of time to work from home and it was very nice. So as we've been rotating back into the office I just kind of go in you know do my do my work but they kind of got the rotation a little, I don't want to say screwed up, but because there's two new guys and they have to start training, that means they have to be in every day regardless instead of rotating. And one of the new guys has been in contact with COVID and he literally sits right next to me. I actually pulled out my measuring tape to see how far away his seat was from mine and it was less than six feet. It was five feet and he was sneezing yesterday. So I'm like, great, COVID good and because i i take care of my mom i get so paranoid about it like well it's serious because it's you know for us it could be just a regular cold even though it can be daily but for her it's extremely deadly. she could die yeah she died from a le- <clears throat> now i'm all paranoid myself but yeah you better uh, take some vitamins i know well I, well that's the other thing too you and i i am gonna knock on wood i've never had the flu I get the flu shot every year just because most of the places I work give it to you. Even in, in my current job, usually they just roll around. We have a, a medical officer on site. He just comes around, you want the flu shot, gives gives it to you right in your arm while you're there. I went... <laughs> Sneaks up on you. Yeah, he's like, would you like the flu shot? I'm like, of course. And he's like, bam. I just went to Walgreens because they gave us a little voucher 
took I think it. Walmart offered to give it to me. I was like, not at this time. Well, you should. Yeah. Uh, you're getting older, and you should. But it was just so crazy today. Like, I understand now how COVID cases can get out of hand because I was very upset. Not at the person, but I was just very upset just in general because I'm like, crap. I've seen my mom all week, you know. I go there in the morning, give her her pills, you know, help her and stuff and see her after work. And the, my boss was kind of like not 100% on board for all of us to be leaving and quarantining. And I'm like, I literally sit right next to this guy less than six feet. And then he's like, well, have you been wearing your mask? I said, that's not beside, that's beside the point. The rules are... If you are in contact with someone who has COVID, you need to quarantine, even if you feel okay. And we are waiting. Our our insurance sends COVID tests to your house, so we're going to get it, like, tomorrow or the next day. And then we'll do our COVID test on Friday, send it back. We'll probably hear something on Monday and know whether we have COVID or not. Fine. But... I understand now how it gets out of hand because people are like, oh, well, I don't feel sick. And technically, yeah, I was wearing my mask. He wasn't wearing his mask. And I'm pretty good about wearing my mask except for when I'm right at my desk and this motherfucker sits right next to me. So I'm like, I guess I could have caught some of his germs and who knows. But now we're going to be home, noobs and I, for 10 days. If we want to go to get groceries, we have to do the curbside pickup. Order, whatever. Order, order online, pick it up. Order online, pick it up, or have it delivered, blah, blah, blah. It's just frustrating because we are following the rules, and we don't even do anything extensive, like, at all. We just live our lives. We are cautious, but we're not crazy. We're not, like, sanitizing the house every day. I don't strip down before I come in the house <laughs> or anything. I don't spray off the packages. I just wear my mask. Right. That's it. And I've managed not to get it. The number one place that you get it is in close contact at your workplace or in restaurants or in large gatherings, which brings me to my next point with my friend who is getting married at the end of March, and she thinks she's going to have 120 people come to her wedding. And... Anubis and I were talking about it last night, and I was kind of, like, on the fence. I'm like, yeah, maybe by March, he and I will have gotten the vaccine because we're both considered essential workers, and they're kind of putting us, you know, before the general population. And I'm like, yeah, maybe if we have the vaccine and I know what's going on with my job, like when I'm going to be shipping out again and, you know, what's up with my mom, blah, blah, blah. After today, going from no exposure to exposure. I don't know enough of those people to know what their lives are like or how careful they are that I know maybe 15 of those people who are going to this wedding and I know and trust them, but I don't know the other 105 people. And I even had another friend of mine who her, her daughters are both in the wedding and she said if it was anybody else's wedding, I would say no, especially because her one daughter has really bad asthma and she said, but, you know, because it's our good friend, I can't say no. And I'm like, eh, I, I get what you're saying. I don't even know if... Yeah, but it's not her. The issue is everyone else. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to the third point. Maryland Death Fest has definitely been moved to 2022. Fuck COVID! 
Uh, but Nomas, our good friends in that band, are still on the bill for that year. Uh, there's a few they mentioned that weren't going to make it, but um, so far we are just, extremely proud of no, Nomas, though. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, the only issue is, is like we're not getting any younger, and I'm <laughs> I've been so excited for this. We're going on. We'll be doing two years since they were supposed to play this fucking thing. Um, but there's a lot of shit going on, so we'll see. They're going to move it back to the Edison lot, apparently. I think they're utilizing everything. everything. They're going to move it back to the lot. They're going to use the um, the soundstage and Ramshead and the whole... So, that whole area is called Power Plant, because back in the day it was a power plant, and now it's a bunch of bars, and it's they do a lot of fun stuff. I mean, actually, for a friend of mine, um, her bachelorette party... They do this thing where you kind of check in at the gate and you get a bracelet and they, they do it a couple times a year and you can go to all the bars and get drinks. Like you pay a cover and it's drinks for, you know, whatever the rail drinks, drinks are. Drinks for everyone. Drinks for everyone. It was a lot of fun. And that was one thing that I really liked about when they started utilizing Ramshead and Soundstage and got rid of the Edison lot was in that it's kind of like a courtyard. They had all the um, vendors set up outside. Ramshead and Soundstage are both air-conditioned, and Ramshead has amazing, like, seating and places to chill out, and they have TVs, so, like, if you are kind of in one of the little alcoves back in the corner and you just want to chill out because you've been headbanging or crowd-surfing too much, you can do that. Have a drink. There's a little table, a little couch, and then there's the TV so you can watch it. At the Edison lot in Maryland in May, Memorial Day weekend... It is 90 degrees, 100% humidity. There is, it is a parking fucking lot on hot asphalt. There's nowhere to sit except for <clears throat> on the floor, on the asphalt. There is no shade. There isn't like a little tent where, like, I think this might be something that they could explore because a lot of wine festivals do this where you upgrade to, you buy your ticket, but then you also buy like the VIP ticket. It lets you get to this nice tent where there's like a separate bar and there's tables and chairs and at least you're in the shade. I love doing that when I go to wine festivals because they also usually have complimentary snacks and food and stuff in there. If they did something like that where it's like, all right, so we've already bought all venues, all four day passes. So we've got like the unlimited, I would spend another hundred bucks a person to have a VIP tent where we could go in whenever we wanted. And they had like complimentary water that more than anything would be great just to sit down in the shade. And then you can still hear what's going on. There's when you're at the Edison lot, there's porta potties. There is no hand washing. There is nothing. Yeah, it, that's again. It's disgusting. Shit. So they, they really—I mean, nothing's in stone, but they really have to think this shit out because we don't even know if by then everything will be sorted. We're hoping, of course, but you know, that's just another thing. Like, no one's gonna want to fucking use those things because if they're not sanitary, what's the point? Anywho, we have a lot to get to Holy in this shit, episode. We do. Um. We got some discussions about WandaVision, the alienists. Talk a little bit more about tattoos. I know we've done this in the past, but we're going to dive a little deeper in it. Um, lots on Godzilla and Kong. There's a lot of shit going on with that. Not just the movie itself, but there's some side shit that's happening. Uh, and then we're going to get to Dee Snyder and Twisted Sister a little bit later on. But uh, first block of music coming your way. This would make Herman very happy. I saw him posting about Asphyx the other day with his jackets and his albums and whatnot. 
brand new works from Asphix out there right now. They actually did a live show on their stream uh, a couple days ago, which is really cool. They really put a lot of energy into it, so I was really happy about that. Uh, this block also has new stuff by Nervosa, as well as Hellborn, provided by uh, Metal Devastation Radio. Gonna kick it off to a brand new Asphix, the Soul Curve. Cure of death. I loves this. I loves. Here I we loves goes. it. Oh, my God. 
is Anime from Darken and you are listening to the Halls of Chaos only on Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, we're back. We're back. Back in black. Yes, I'm back in black. No? <laughs> yeah. Um, so a couple of uh, TV shows to get to in this uh, segment here. Mm-hmm. First one we're going to start with is WandaVision. Uh, I absolutely love, 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 love WandaVision. And I think the reason I love it so much is because, and it might be just because I'm a weirdo anyway, but I've always loved old TV shows. Remember I told you when I was in high school, I would, because I've always kind of been an insomniac and I'd stay up all night. And all this shit was on um, late at night, like the Dick Van Dyke show, I Love Lucy, and Bewitched, and that's, that's what this really kind of feels like. Like, the first episode was in black and white, and it was like, I love Lucy, and then there was like a Bewitched episode, remember the one where, um, you know, because she is magical, she's a Scarlet Witch, but she was doing it, like, very much how Bewitched would be, like, oh, I think I'm going to make the dinner, and like, you know, she's doing all that stuff, and she's like, oh, no, 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 just stay out there, and... Now that they're kind of getting into colorized, it felt more like almost Brady Bunchy mm-hmm, this time. Mm-hmm. Like, I and I love that they're kind of taking that trope and really making it corny and cheesy. But you know something else is going on because you always see something weird at the end. Yeah, uh, the show is very hot and cold. People right now, I've seen people who really don't like it. And I've seen people who are like, it's got to pick up. Uh, I'm reading an article on uh, etonline.com about it. Um, it's definitely a slow burn. Um, it starts very slow. Um, it's just from the, when you're used to all the other Marvel stuff, it, it's not in-your-face action. This is like... And I'll just read a portion here because this is sort of one of the things I've been saying about this show from day one. Uh, is Wanda creating this sitcom reality or is someone else controlling it? I think it might be a little bit of both. Uh, we all know that after the end of Endgame, when uh, Vision dies, that uh, Wanda's like Spoiler devastated. Spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah, well, if you're not caught up by now, then that's your own damn fault. But, you know, Wanda's devastated, so I would think that in some manner she's kind of, like, reclused herself back into her own mind somehow. And they haven't really been super forthcoming about, like, where in the Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline this takes place. So you always kind of, like, just assume, oh, this is happening after the last movie, but that's not always true. This could be, like, a filler between um, Age of Ultron and... uh, um, I'm not guessing that, no. Uh, especially doing what's said here. This is apparently, uh, saying that Vision's still very much alive, but that could be just in her head. I think, actually, it is definitely to age alternate when I get to my point here with that. Um, one of the issues 
is that she she's she's portraying her life right now as like a sitcom, like you said, and she's a got different housewife right. like yeah, persona. She's sort of envisioning her and Vision having this life together, and it's gone through these different stages, like the '60s now to '70s, and like now we're on episode three. She had a baby in like an hour. It was just insane. Twins, no uh-huh. less. But we, uh, and which it's sort of correlation because she was a twin herself. And at the we were, we're on episode three where we just finished. At the end of it, there's another character who brought up because she started talking about uh, Petro, her brother, who dies in Ultron. And at that point, she yeah, she made that comment. She's like, I was a twin. And it was yeah, very your sad. Brother was kill- you killed by Ultron? And then oh, that was her. That was her neighbor. Yeah. yeah. So she uses her magic to kick the neighbor out of that actual reality she was in. And where she ended up, we know it's like in this field, or surrounded by uh, military personnel. So I don't know. We know through some other things, like during these episodes, she'll hear like a, a static on the radio that someone's calling out to her. Like it's like Wanda. Wanda. Who's doing this to you? What is going on? So I th- feel like she's being tortured. Like, I think that's what's happening. I, I, I agree with you. Like, she's in her own head. But I also feel like she might be captured and tortured. And then the stuff that you're seeing is, like, with the military people and stuff, is kind of like the real life thing. It's possible. My theory is she may be under surveillance by military or whatever. But I think, I don't think it's so much torture. I think that... Again, she's just crashed and crumbled under the the death of Vision that she's encased herself in this other alternate reality. And that when the neighbor said what she said, she's like, oh, I can't have that here. I gotta dust that out. I can't have that. That ruins my whole perfect world. So do you think that's in her head that she's casting her out? Or are you thinking like... Yeah, she- I, think, I think she's built this world within herself. Now, I don't know if the neighbor is actually someone who was planted there or whatever, but when the neighbor says what she says, she immediately puts her out of the whole reality. See, I think Wanda is in her head, like you're saying, but I also think that she's being controlled, and I think they're trying to tap into her. Like, Maybe. they're trying to figure out her power and figure out what's... I think she got captured somehow, and, um, you know, because... We saw the uh, Age of Ultron, um, and between that and Endgame, <clears throat> after the snap, we we know a lot went on because it was several years between the last two movies, and um, so I think that might be ta- part of like what's taking up space because everybody was kind of like really rough. You know, after, in the last movie, like, at the beginning, everybody's, like, really just depressed and felt rough because, you know, what was it, like, 50% of the population just disappeared? Yeah, well, I would deal with that for, like, five Mm -hmm. years. Um, Yeah, so, the other thing is, because of this alternate reality, we also know that there's going to be other shows like Loki, which kind of taps into, like, this other playing field this this other dimensional stuff that's right that where we might see black widow again and he might be able to find a way to get to uh scarlet witch as well 
So it's going to be interesting. The directors are saying that, you know, this is a slow burn. Things are going to unfold. The, play, the organization that you're talking about is called S.W.O.R.D. I don't know what that really means. Um, it's broken up, of course, S dot W, etc. But we see, like, certain characters that are kind of keeping an eye on her, like the beekeeper and whatnot, <laughs> and maybe even the neighbor who might have been a plant there at some point. So it, it, we're going to get to episode four this week on Friday, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but, you know, I, I really like this show. Again, Marvel, to me, is still the ones to be. DC got really good with the Titans thing. I think Neko and I agree that's a really that good show. That was the show. best thing that DC has done since the... Uh Dark Knight series. Right, right. So, Marvel's still continuing on. This one's a little bit different than a lot of the other stuff we've seen, but I think it's still worth it overall. Uh, now, this other show uh, we've been watching, and we restarted, because we had started this like, back in 2018 when it first got released. We were kind of like, eh, on it. And, I, and it's kind of like what you said before. It, it does have a little bit of a slow burn, so... We started watching it, and then we were like, squirrel. Other things just, like, <laughs> took our interest, and we never went back to it. So we restarted it, and restarted with season one. And they're long episodes, and there's several episodes um, per season. Like, 18 or, what, like, nine episodes? I don't remember. At least what it nine is. or ten, yeah. So, the thing that I... The Alienist is what we're talking about, and... There are some amazing actors and actresses. So it's it's interesting because we, again, it's a slow burn, but it's a very mysterious, like, I don't want to call it Sherlock Holmes-esque, but very, you know, there's something going on and you have to figure out and... Sometimes you think it's... Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of cat and mouse stuff in there. Um, I had bought in the book, The Alienist, years ago when I was still working at a bookstore. And this is like the 90s, so this book's kind of old. Um, but the series is based upon this. Now, at the time, I never got around to reading it. But because I had read, like, the, you know, the paragraph on the back, mm -hmm. I, just, I have a fascination with Jack the Ripper lore. I just do. Um, and this sort of follows in that step now... When I started watching this with Neko, I didn't realize that it was dealing with, like, like there were prostitutes being killed, but it was actually boys dressed as women that were the victims. And not that it's a problem, but it, that wasn't what I was really expecting at first, so... That was a little bit of a surprise. Right, so... But you have, uh, some, like she said, great actors. Uh, you have Luke Evans, uh, Daniel Brawl, who also was in the Marvel... Uh, series for a little bit for different things uh and dakota fanning for those who know her uh the trio are the main uh, catalyst for this show they're on season two we're still working on season two right now we're like about three or four episodes in that but the first one deals with the boy prostitutes and who's killing them and why and basically daniel Brohl's character is a doctor who works on trying to figure out the mentality of the killers and why they do what they do. Uh, Luke Evans is basically a he reporter. Works for, yeah, he works for the New York Times. And Dakota, at the time in the first season, is basically a... a what do you call it? A, a, she works for the police department. She, well, she's like a secretary, but she's not. 
Um, in the first season, she kind of is, but then as we get into season two, she becomes she starts her own detective. She, she becomes an actual detective, right? So obviously, in season one, she uses her smarts and resources to help Luke Evans and Danny Brill's characters find out what's going on. Uh, in season two, it's more about like we have babies disappearing and getting sick and uh, dying and whatnot. So. We're still not going to talk too much about that one yet because we're not even quite all the way into it. But the first season was really, really good. Uh, like the acting, you just can't get around. It's just really good. There's a lot of other familiar faces you see here and there, and I'm pretty impressed with that. I've yeah, I've been impressed the entire time. And what I really thought was uh, kind of interesting was oh, what is the one guy's name? Um, of um, you talk about from Silence of the Lambs. Yes, thank you. Ah, yeah, I can't remember the actor's name offhand. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. Uh, I should really recognize it. Ted Levine. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you're like, oh yeah, that's Ted Levine, and I looked at him. I was like, like from Silence of the Lambs, Ted Levine. Like it was, and he plays an asshole, and he's he, really great at it. Yeah. And I actually, when I saw that he was in this, and I looked up Ted Levine, I started like reading articles about him and he's a very good character actor we've seen him in lots of different things but he because he did so amazing in silence of the lambs that's kind of like what has he always get, him. yeah it's like everybody wants to put him in these asshole and like bad guy type roles sometimes that they just like doing that um you know, someone the other day, which was kind of cool, he said that uh, he'd watched um, a movie with uh, David Patrick Kelly, who plays, of course, in The Warriors, you know, mm -hmm. and a few other movies we see him in Commando. When I, he actually got to work with David on stage for a play or something, so that was kind of cool. I thought, but but I but reading an article by David is David like loves playing the bad guy. He loves being an asshole. So most of the roles that you see Kelly in is exactly that. So I think on some level, Levine might be the same way. He just might really like playing uh, roles like that because he can do it so well. Yeah, I'm looking at his uh, IMDb and like everything seems like what he's been in. He's kind of been like an antagonist. The heel, yeah. Yeah, it's just like... Oh, see, I've never watched the TV series Monk, and he seemed to have had... He was in, like, 125 episodes. He was one of the... Um, oh, wow. He was Captain Stottlemyre. Oh, yeah. So, now I need to watch Monk. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, an American gangster, he was Lou. Um, the Hills Have Eyes, he was Big Bob. Like, come <laughs> on now. But... I, I just, I, I love everything about him, and it is because of my love for The Silence of the Lambs. Like, it's one of my most favorite movies. Well, it's so funny, because when you see him in this role, you don't necessarily recognize, but it's the God, eyes. He's got, he's got like, eyes. this... First of all, they made his hair really gray, and he's not that gray. Even though he is in his 60s, this is a current picture of him right now, and he has just, like, brownish... This looks like, oh yeah, that looks like Buffalo Bob. Right, right. But, like... With, um, in this series, they really, like, because he's balding a little bit, they really take advantage of him balding. They gray his hair up, they take his mustache, and they do, like, a handlebar, like, mm -hmm. 
So he, they really get him into character, but he's he's amazing. I I love him. I will always love him and I I think I've always been a, a huge horror movie fan because of my grandmother. Be she and I yeah, remember my grandmother died when I was 12. So 12 is still like a little too young to get into certain things like poltergeist or but in my family there was never like unless it was like porn there was no like oh you can't watch this type of thing so i was watching things that maybe a kid under the age of 12 should, like freddy krueger like jason movies like poltergeist especially horror movies when i'm watching them with my grandmother like silence of the Lambs. Right. <laughs> so i think that's one of the reasons that you know i be, everybody knows that movie silence of the lambs is an amazing unbelievably well acted phenomenal i i know it's a book too so i should probably read it but that's I've, the thing once you watch something like that you see jodie foster and anthony hopkins and you're like yeah those are some big names but then you don't realize just how good ted levine is actually in that so that that's kind of the cool thing about his character in there. But you see a lot of other familiar faces too doing smaller roles, and it's like wow. Well, the kid from um, in, in the Alienist, I was like, I know this kid, I know this kid, and um, I watched this show called Big Love on HBO, and it's about a polygamous Mormon family, and the one kid in this, he's one of the detectives when um. He was the oldest son in Big Love, and I'm like, well, look at you go. So I, um, I love when you, this, this. Oh yeah, I meant for, to mention uh, the. I don't know if he's a mayor, governor, but the guy that when they go to this place where the the priest is, and of course Levine, it's it's Michael Ironside, fucking Michael fucking Ironside. Holy shit! Yeah, so you know we're talking guy from Scanners. We're talking from. Uh, Highlander 2, uh, Star Trooper, uh, Starship Troopers. Oh my god, that is a movie. We're going to have to reach out to Fat Samurai Guy because he's been doing these, uh, is it really that bad lately? I know Starship Troopers gets a lot of hate. I have nothing but love for that fucking movie. I love it. I have and to see what the RT ratings are because that's usually how they try to approach these things is if Rotten Tomatoes gives them low scores that's when they're like oh shit we gotta do this yeah. well I actually won um, premiere tickets for Starship Troopers when it first I mean I think I was early in college like maybe a freshman and I won them from the radio and I was super excited I had like 10 tickets I took a bunch of my friends and I was just stoked for Starship Troopers, and you and I both like it. We've watched it a million times. I, I, there's just something about the movie that I love. Fucking Neil Patrick Harris is in Star Starship True. I was gonna say Star Trek Troopers, but Starship Troopers, and oh, so fucking all this action and bugs and ugh. anyway, I'm derailing. We right now for me. The first season of The Alienist, and because we are only, what, four episodes into the second season, again, everything with this show is beyond a slow burn. It is like an ember. And then, as things start picking up, the last two episodes are, like, fully ablaze. But you and have it, to watch everything so you can see the clues. Right. It's 
it's really kind of a guessing game, and and again, it's it's I'm gonna, I'm gonna warn you now. It's one of these shows where things happen as it goes along that you it gets you really pissed off. Mm-hmm. Now, luckily, it's not enough to make me stop watching the series. That happened with Sons of Anarchy, and that happened with the the Vampire Diaries, and with Lost. Yeah. So, luckily, we haven't gotten to that point with this um, because the character that kind of went away. It was like a really small character, but but it wasn't something I was expecting either. I mean, I knew when shit was starting to unravel that was going to happen, but you didn't really see it coming until when it did. So, WandaVision and The Alienist, definitely check them out if you've got give, time. Yeah, give it a chance. The easier thing with WandaVision is, is they're easy to digest, short episodes. Yeah, they're like 20 minutes. And they're fun. Yeah. They feel like a sitcom. Yeah. The alienist sit back with a very intelligent sounding drink like a cognac or something and Yeah, because that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. <laughs> like, I sit there and I start watching them and then I'll get on the computer and I'm like, okay, uh alienist, what is happening with this baby doll who has these weird eyelashes? And because everything has some kind of symbolism in it. But you don't really put anything together until the last two episodes. Yep. So, alright, we're going to get back into our music. Uh, next block, I've got a couple things sent to us from Teresa Lamb, uh, Mala Di Dentro, which is cool, the song called Chokehold. Mm. Vlad sent us some Carnal Agony. And we're going to get off some brand new Therian. Now, I'm just going to make a point about this. Uh, I've been a Therian fan for a long time, going back they to the have 90s. new? However, the last... Three or four albums by the band have not been as stellar for me because mainly because they've kind of gone away from this death symphonic thing to just a symphonic metal. Now it's it's not bad, but when you're used to hearing a band do a certain thing, I just kind of got used to more of that. This song kind of yeah, but I love their ABBA cover. Yeah, yeah, but that was that was when they were really good. <laughs> uh, this song I chose though is called "Eye of Algol." It's the best one off the record, but as as a whole, the new record really didn't do much for me. Just I couldn't really get into it. But you like this song from the record, right? Um, so just you know, the past I just enjoyed their stuff much more. But here we go, brand new Therian. This is "Eye of Algol," and we'll be back.
This is Sky Nielsen Promotions. I offer the most affordable, effective, independent metal promotions one can find. If you've got a metal band, project, or art that you want promoted, simply search for Sky Nielsen Promotions. And you're listening to Hordes of Chaos on Metal Tavern Radio. She's in love with herself. Alright, DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. Back with you, episode 101 of the Hordes of Chaos. Oh, remember DC 101 was like the underground before it was DC 101? I thought that was 103.5. Was it 103.5? Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Memory anyway, flaw. Memory flaw. Anyway, back to my ruminations. I was talking to you the other day about tattoos, and we always kind of talk about tattoos just like, because it's a big, it's a big thing in the metal world, like, to not have a tattoo, and, you know, you've had your tattoos for a really long time, mine now are, my one is ten years old, I love fucking tattoos, I, my problem is, Uh, that was hot, hmm. tattoos are permanent for me, like, for everyone, but for me, I, I'm i the type of person who is like, hey, I have a really great idea. How about um, I want to move my tattoo from my ankle and put it on my shoulder instead, and you just can't do that. So I always have been really hesitant about tattoos only for the reason that the aesthetic cannot be transferred to another part of your body. I have a little teeny tiny tattoo on my wrist and my sister and I got it together when my niece was a baby still and she's 10 now and it's just like a typical you know white girl infinity symbol that says sisters and blah blah blah. You've got two pretty intricate tattoos on your forearms. I mean the one that um that has the monster with the naked girl that was from an Ozzy Osbourne tribute album mm-hmm. and it's very detailed and you said you just sat there the entire time you're like yeah just do it yeah it was about it was a couple hours four hours of work mine was like 20 minutes if this that panther was two hours this one probably like 30 minutes it didn't take them that long but you know i'm reading this article and you know I think we're diving a little deeper because of how much it means to certain people for different reasons. So for some cases, it's, it's culture, religion, or even tribute to loved ones. I know that yours has something to do with your sister and you. It, so. Well, it says heart and sisters. Like, I figured we both wanted to get a sister tattoo. We saw the tattoo probably on Pinterest or Instagram or something. And mine is an infinity symbol and it's fully colored in except for the heart is red and my sister's isn't she did like that ribbon technique where they make it look like a ribbon and light shining on it i did that initially and i hated it and after it healed i went back to the guy and said can you color mine in and he did you know not a problem i've only had one tattoo and i probably got it on one of the most sensitive parts of your body if you think of like this is pretty sensitive and i'm like eh. So I feel like if I got a tattoo anywhere else, it would probably be, like, cake. Like, you have one on your shoulder, and I'm like, yeah, there's nothing up here. It's just, like, a bunch of meat. No big deal. But I ha- it's, like, right on my fucking veins, on my wrist. Um, the thing with tattoos, like, 
if you go back in history, you know, it was warriors got tattoos for certain reasons because they have elevated throughout. Apparently in ancient Egypt, only women got tattoos and it was a very much makeup type thing. So these, these cosmetic tattoos that we're doing nowadays with the eyebrows and the eyeliner and stuff, that's not a new thing. Like the ancient Egyptian exaggerated eyeliner that you see in a lot of these um, busts and, and paintings that people, it, it was a lot of it was tattooed apparently. Um, it's, it's interesting because tattoos have kind of a weird, what's the best word? I don't want to say that they're like bad or hmm. the wrong side of the tracks or whatever, but nowadays pretty much everyone that you know has a tattoo or knows somebody with a tattoo. Almost like an STD, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Every, but before, like, tattoos, if you think about, like, in the military, tattoos are reserved for sailors. Like, as a sailor myself, I there's one that I really wanted to get of a swallow because after you have so many nautical miles, you're supposed to get a swallow because that's over 5,000 nautical miles. Well, I did that on my very first job. So, like, I I should have, like, a 1,000 swallows, but a lot of the guys that I sail with, they do right on their chest. They have two swallows. And um, you can get your full mast ship, and everybody does it on their forearm, after you sail around the horn. And it's... Tattoos have always had some kind of symbolism, but today it's more like, as I was saying, an accessory. So now, because my parents are like super baby boomers and they're like super conservative, like tattoos are so like passe and oh, I would never hire anyone with a tattoo. Yeah, it's funny that you get a lot of people who say, oh, I regret, to regret getting this tramp stamp or this uh barbed wire one i'm like why like it, there's nothing wrong with it like the only time you really need to be embarrassed about tattoos is if you just got one that was done really shittily like on your face we have a lot of tattoo artists out there we even have friends like j-law that does tattooing that are actually really good at it you know the thing is you know i know like a lot of people i knew that were younger would kind of dabble with doing it themselves and stuff like that but Save up the money, get it well done so that it's preserved, and get it touched up and whatnot. Like, mine actually probably needs to be touched up a bit. Your, I, your panther looks absolutely perfect. Yeah. I mean, it is a little bit, the black yeah, is a little faded. can't see the green eye much anymore, but... Uh, but you see you see these pictures here of the sailors. Sailors earn a new swallow tattoo for every 5,000 nautical miles traveled. I'm sorry, I've sailed across the Atlantic and back, and across the Atlantic and back four times. So, how many swallow tattoos do I need? Like, I should get, like, an anklet of... Sw That's a good idea. An anklet of swallow tattoos. But you see how these dudes here... And this is an older picture from the 40s where everybody gets them, like, on their... Well... Swallow semen. Yay! <laughs> they get them on their chest. And a lot of the men in the sailing world, regardless of how, you know, girl power we are... Most of the time, I am the only female. 
Well, my last job, I had three other women, and two of them were officers, which made me feel great. The time before that, none. The time before that, none. I was on one ship, and it was a mostly American crew, and there were eight women, including myself. Eight! And you're like, oh, eight, that's not, like, a really big deal. Okay, it was a huge deal, because most women just don't want to sail. And I get it. it. It's tough. It's tough on you. It's tough on your body. It's tough on everything. But we women do try to partake in these, you know, traditions, too. We want to get the, the tattoos. If you cross over the equator, you're supposed to get a shellback, like a, a turtle. We all, we're in it together. Whether you, because on um, one of my jobs, it was just myself and the doctor, and she was female. That doesn't mean she's not sailing. So she deserves all the all the swallow tattoos that she could have. It's incredible how the history, not just with Americans or, you know, Samoans, because in the Samoan culture, too, the tattoo is... It's in all of them. Uh, Japanese do it. Um, a lot of Japanese businessmen, I, I'm not 100% sure why they do it, and I haven't read enough up on it, but they'll they'll be tattooed, but not where you can see it. Yakuza. So, yeah, so, yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if they're in the Yakuza, but they'll be tattooed from, like, their wrist up to their collarbone, and then on their chest, but underneath where a shirt would fall. And it's almost like they have a bodysuit of tattoos. Mm -hmm. A lot of the guys that I sail with, too, they do the same thing. And one of the guys I was talking to the other day, um, he was like, oh, because, you know, fuck COVID. We have to quarantine before we get on ships. And he's like, man, I had this, like, whole tattoo thing planned, and now I have to quarantine and blah, blah, blah. And one of the other guys who... Um, He's a little bit, he's not much older than, he's about your age, maybe like three or four years older than you. Very, very straight-laced. He's been sailing, and this is the funny thing, he does not curse. But he's not like this religious, oh, I don't curse, oh, I don't smoke, I, I don't drink. He just is just like super plain. That's the best way to put him. Very nice guy. Completely nice guy. He's been sailing since he was 18. Zero tattoos. I have never heard him even say, like, shit or damn. He does not curse. So it was me and him and then another guy, and we're just chatting about tattoos, and the other guy who said he had his tattoo appointment, he said, I'm just getting two sleeves. And I said, that's almost what I want to do because I have so many tattoos that I want. However, I am undecided on the... Uh, on the placement of them. So if I just commit to a sleeve, that means it will all kind of match together. And he said, that's kind of how I ended up. And the other guy who is kind of like very, I don't, I don't want to call him conservative because he's not, he's just very plain. And he said, what do you think about tattoos, uh, Neko? Because I am, um, you know, I just can't imagine you. I said, I love tattoos. I want all the ta I want every tattoo possible. My problem is the aesthetics of it and my indecisive mind. I mean, 
how did you decide to get it on your your forearms? Is it and it's not like the forearms on the top like Popeye. It's underneath too, where Anubis has them. So again, they're kind of like in a painful spot. No, it, really, it, there's a lot of meat there, so it's not as painful. Like getting it on your knuckles, even here would be a lot more. Where you got it would be a lot more sensitive. Mine felt like a clearly needles, but it, it just felt like a bunch of scratching, like a bunch of cat scratches. That's exactly how it felt and then it was done. Yeah, I just remember you know, he traced it out, it was kind of like a ticklish scratch and then like when he started coloring it in, you know, it kind of like just got hot like it would burn a little bit, but it wasn't like hurting that much. And the cream they would give you, the lotion and whatnot, that it's like works, works wonders, so... Like, while it was healing for me, because I, when I got this, I was an office manager, so I was typing a lot. So, the healing cream, the Aquaphor, that the, I'm like, I was slathering that shit on because it scabs up. And I'm like, you know, I'm doing typing, and my wrist is hitting the keyboard and stuff. I'm like, the last thing I need is, A, infection, or B, like, to fuck it up. Because... I can even see a little spot, like, right here, and this is, like, one of the most sensitive parts of your wrist, and, like, right in the very, very corner of my wrist, I must have been moving, because I can tell when he was trying to do the, uh, the S in sister, this right here, you can see it was, like, it's not as straight as the rest, because I probably was moving, because it was a little bit painful, but I, um, I love tattoos. I honestly think that they're not such a um, a stigma anymore. I think everybody, but, you know, think back in the day, and I was kind of joking with the two guys I was speaking with at work, you know, for me, when I, you know, growing up, all the girls got tattoos on their ankles, and I never got one because I just couldn't make up my mind, and now it's like... Oh, do I want a little ankle tattoo? And I do. I do want an ankle tattoo. And I also want my entire back covered in tattoos. And that might be the way that I go. Instead of doing it like a sleeve, I just do like a whole back piece. Because, yeah, then I can, you know, do a little tattoo here and there. And they can turn it into a big back collage. Yeah. No? I don't see you doing that. You don't, you don't think I could <laughs> handle it? Or do you think it would look bad? Hmm. Both. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a nice back for a back collage. Is that what you're telling I, me? I don't have a nice back for a back collage. I don't want to be married to a Yakuza. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. I, I just find it very fascinating, like, with the, so many things that, like, have always been... So... Another sailor tattoo is, like, the hula girl. And that just means you went to Hawaii. So do I get, like, three hula girls? Because I've been to Hawaii three times. Or, like, your sailors wearing the crossed anchors on the webbing between their thumb and index finger are identifying themselves as Boatswain mates, the guys who maintain the deck and take care of smaller boat operations. And a lot, you see this on the on the knuckles, hold fast, that is... You're working the deck crew. You're holding the the ropes. Um, also, another big one is the foot tattoos of sailors. Is the pig and roosters were they were worn by sailors in the hopes it would keep the sailor from drowning because apparently 
pigs and roosters were on ships a lot, and they would be in crates, and then when ships went down, the pigs and roosters would survive. Kind of, It's almost kind of like superstitious. I find it, everything about tattoos, besides just their aesthetics, I feel like they're just... I, it's fascinating, the stories behind them. Like, I used to watch... I forgot what the show was, but Kat Von D. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's fully covered. Pink LA, I think. It might have been that. I mean, she's fully covered in tattoos, and she's got her own makeup line and everything, and she's great. Remember she had that cat? Oh, my God. She had multiple cats, but um, she would get a lot of famous people, and some... This one guy came on, he's like, I just like lines. And he literally would just get lines tattooed like a random line here and there and she said you just want me to do five lines like two inch lines yeah yeah just random lines i just like lines and she said okay i don't know nowadays in business if it's too much of a um a turn off i I know face tattoos are still kind of a thing that you need to be like an mma fighter or a football player to kind of pull off and we know someone personally who got a face tattoo at a very young age, and we're like, it's going to be really tough because you're not an MMA fighter or a, a football right. player. But I feel like the stigma of tattoos isn't so much of, like, it's for trash and, and scary people anymore. It's it's transcended that. It's self-expression, and so many metalheads... We we all have, I mean, I have, like, the whitest of white girl tattoos, and I'm a metalhead, and you have some really cool, just, you know, fun tattoos that you picked out yourself 20 years ago, and you know you have a good artist, especially the, the demon guy, because the shading and the technique that he has used, and it has stayed so fresh for so long that... I don't know. Tattoos just really inspire me, and they really... When I see somebody with a really cool tattoo, and it could be something tiny, like a little ladybug, and I'll be like, look how bright and vibrant that is. Tell me about your tattoo. And you can have an hour-long conversation with somebody and bond over a tattoo and a metal story. Yep. All right, well, let's get back into our music. Uh, this block, I've got some stuff from Grand Sounds Promotion as well as Everlasting Speed Records. Going to kick it off, though, with some brand new Fire Force, Rage of War. Yeah!
Scott, this is Roger from No Moss. And also Andrew. Hey, Henry over here from No Moss. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Come get it. Get lit. Yeah, and John too. <laughs> Right, getting ready to get into our rock block. The rock block. Oh, I love the rock block. I love the metal block, but I love the rock block too. It's just for me. Growing up, I uh, I grew up in kind of a rock family. You know, even if it's like Beach Boys, but it's rock. Beach Boys and Boston and Alice Cooper and Black Sabbath, like anything in that whole 60s, 70s era, you know, my parents were really into. So now that I'm an old person and when I was young and cool and hip and I'm like, oh, mom, we're listening to Beach Boys again. I didn't really have the appreciation for, especially like Pet Sounds, like that's a phenomenal record and we saw that documentary and that movie about, you know, how the Beach Boys put together things and, and worked on things. I feel like, again, as I'm being an old person, back then, the amount of musicianship you had to have and the musicality you had to have, even it just blows me away that now everything is just so overproduced and <laughs> we were coming out of the, the store. Um, I think it was Walmart. We were picking up a prescription again, world and somebody had their window rolled down and was listening to a song that you and I never heard, but I just, I kind of made the comment to you is everything in auto tune now? Like, can you not just sing your regular voice? It has to be in that, like, <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. I, um, I have a great appreciation for... The funny thing is, like, it's not just rock that happens. Like, I've heard people who are into hip-hop and rap... It's, it's in all of it! And they, like, they're the same way. They're like, dude, this new stuff about auto-tune and whatnot is just garbage. Well... You know, I don't. Were you watching the documentary with me about the Wu Tang Clan, or was I watching it by myself? I can't remember. Nah, I'm pretty sure I watched. But that's one of the things I said to you that like just totally kind of hooked me into them. Besides the the whole kung fu thing, um, you know, they love sampling kung fu movies and adding it into their their music. But they produce a lot of their own songs like the the backing tracks and stuff was stuff that they produced themselves and nowadays it's always samples so like you don't even find that that kind of wu-tang clan originality in a lot of the hip-hop nowadays and another one that i used to love too was outcast and they did a little singing and a little hip-hop and a little rapping but everything was very original um, a band that's not original ori- center, <laughs> but a band that a lot of people don't know about. It's a hip hop group called Jurassic Five. Love, love, love them, and it was a similar thing where they produced their own, you know, backing music. They rap and sing to it, and it, it's just phenomenal. 
I wish, like, I, I just don't know, again, we can go into the, the rise and fall of the availability of these programs and and having everything on your computer or if it's just now that's what people want. It, it, it's just a change in time, that's all. Anywho, uh, so we've got, of course, Nico's Pick of the Week, Mama, which is an interesting choice, and I'll talk a little bit about it once we get to it. Why uh, do you think it's so interesting? Uh, just because we had seen a documentary on them recently, and uh, I was unaware of some of their earlier stuff. So I, I, You didn't know this song? What? I knew this song. I didn't know their roots. Like, their roots is a lot different than I thought. Oh, you didn't know about them, like, at CBGBs and stuff? or Punk rock. I didn't realize that. Oh, 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 oh. Um, got some stuff from Pink Floyd, Wasp, uh, new stuff from Return to Void, <laughs> Emperors of Angels, and Bloody Hammers, but we're going to kick off Emperors and Angels from Curtain Call Records, Signal the Brave, and here we go.
Well, if you're a racing fan and want to be part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champion flat card season. You could be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L. race to the finish line in Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Jillsburg, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Keppel City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing, and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar.
right, Wasp, Tormentor from their 1984 full-length debut. I love Wasp. So and a lot. I know. Like, like you, you and I were like, yeah, Wasp! And I, I, like, said this to you during the break, like, they just don't get their accolades like they should. I feel like um, the only publicity that they ever got was like, we're the dream warriors. That's actually Dawkins. Oh god, I don't even know what I'm talking about then. So You're probably thinking more of the lines of like when they did uh, the Headless Children they kind of dropped a lot of the aesthetics the stage stuff they were doing just kind of like they See, were normal love, looking days. But like Forever Free. Stuff. What's that? I love the stage stuff. Oh yeah, the whole like chainsaws and the cross. See, I'm so dumb that I thought it docking was them. That's what I mean. Like they don't get enough like they kind of fall in the shadow of everybody and anytime you play me a wasp song, I think um I I didn't even I can't say I didn't know of them, but I didn't really like know much of them. And one of my favorite things that you always did when we first met was the CDs that you made for me. And it was like uh, that song, The Electric Circus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Welcome, I bid you well. And I'm like, fuck yeah, lost. <laughs> I I really, I, I mean, do, do they tour anything anymore? Or like... Uh, I'm not sure. They haven't really played anything out in quite a while. Um, I'm assuming they're still together, but... Uh, they uh, might just be, like, hanging out. I mean, everybody's in quarantine right now anyway, so... Right, and, and plus, they're not, I mean, if we're not getting any younger, I know they're not getting I mean, any they're younger. older than us, so... I just, it just... <sighs> they got a lot of albums to their credit, though, I mean, but, like, really, those first four records, you know, the self-titled, Last Command... Uh, inside the electric circus and then uh, headless children. Those records are so massive. Like for me, those are like my favorite records from them. Well, that's the one thing I really love about the band. It's like their songs are like a symphony. It is not. They're not flat. They are explosive. They are cohesive. Everything about their songs are just like. But I, I love me some wasp. But I also have to comment on the Pink Floyd song. So that is the song Learning to Fly that DJ Anubis just played. Now, full disclosure, DJ Anubis does all of the prep work and I just come in and look pretty. And pretty much. Yeah. I, I'll give him some ideas on on topics that I wanna talk about. Like the tattoo thing was mine because, you know, I'm Sailor Girl. I'm, I'm Sailor Moon. And, um, but he puts together the playlist. He listens to a lot more than I do. And one thing that I, I, I guess I got to give you back your, well, it's the iPod mini from back in 2003 or four, whenever we got it. I, I really liked when he, he gave me all of his top albums of 2020 you might need to do do that again, and I'll plug it back in, and and yeah, no, I will, and I probably will go ahead and throw in like I have three records right now that are going to be contenders. Obviously, I then usually I just put them all 
to get at the end, but like I can actually go ahead and put the full records, let you listen to them, then take them off, and then it, it's just awesome that you do that for me. And he is—he's such a sweetie. And learning to fly is my absolute favorite Pink Floyd song, which is kind of funny because Dark Side of the Moon is my favorite album and they're, they're years apart if you think about it like it didn't isn't learning to fly from the 80s and and dark side of the moon is from the 70s i mean it's like 10 years apart for for yeah, the album i think learning to fly came out in it was momentary lapse of reason is that 85 i think so and and dark side of the moon was that before or after the wall before the wall. Okay, so, so yeah. it's like late, early, uh, mid to late 70s, I think, for Dark Side. So for me, like, I love the Dark Side of the... I, like, I love everything about Dark Side of the Moon because it's a nice, beautiful... I think when you really think about it, you're probably right. Dark Side is probably, like, it's the best a, complete It's record. a conceptual, like, everything... Well, I tend to, like... The wall, the most in terms of like you know another brick in a wall, of course, and then uh, run like hell is like my favorite run, track. Run, run, right. run. But the thing I love about um, Pink Floyd is, if you're gonna allow me to say this, um, I feel like Devin Townsend has pulled a lot of inspiration from Pink Floyd. Maybe not even intentionally, because Pink Floyd's albums every single one has had a different feel think about it i've said that from day one like when you listen to biomech ocean machine or uh terra the album that stefan got me on vinyl like those records have a lot of floyd feel to them and it's just something about like with uh with pink floyd they were like, we're going to sound like Pink Floyd, but we're going to make something different every single album. And I think the one thing, besides the, the with Dark Side of the Moon, the, the Wizard of Oz reference, which I, again, I love the Wizard of Oz, even though it scared the shit out of me as a child, I love the Wizard of Oz. But Dark Side of the Moon is, is kind of like every single song flows. Like, it's, it's like it belongs. They actually purposefully purposefully put the songs where they need to be that doesn't mean i don't think momentary lapse of reason is like an amazing album i do it actually did pretty well i think at the time but then again it could have been just because of the band name but no but i mean for i don't know why learning to fly is my favorite pink it's it's like one of my favorite songs ever but it is I mean, like, you could say, oh, yeah, like, my favorite ACDC song is Back in Black. Like, for Pink Floyd, this is the Pink Floyd song for me. I know a lot of people say, you know, it's, you know, another brick in the wall or whatever. For me, when I hear Learning to Fly, it is like a breath. Like, you hear it and it's just like... I'm meditating when I hear that song. It it calms me. It it has taken me at times when I'm like super depressed or before, you know, you, some of the shit I went through before I met you, I was always listening to Learning to Fly and it's it's just like a beautiful beautiful song, beautifully written. And 
the reason I kind of like said DJ Anubis curates everything when he, when Learning to Fly came on, I gave him a big hug and I'm like, this is my favorite Pink Floyd song. And you're like, I know, that's why I picked it for you. And that, that, I didn't say it like that. No, but. no, he didn't, he didn't <laughs> use the baby voice. But it, it just, he knows what I love. And that was one of them. And I love Wasp too. So that goes... What was the first song that I said? Emperor's yeah. Angels. Yeah. Sigma Brave, yeah. That was amazing. So, so now or two, your pick of the week. My pick of the week is something that I'm sure people will probably be a little shocked. Because I don't think a lot of people even believe I like this band. Hmm. I don't know. Judging by some of your picks... No, think about what I pick and what I've said I picked. This is not... um, You picked Harry Styles one time. I picked Harry Styles because I was surprised at that song. I said, wow, this is a boy band who turned it into an actual, you know, talented song. But anyway, I, um, this band itself... Not this song, but I, um, I've always dabbled in playing keyboard and I suck, but I, even in college, I started taking piano lessons again and DJ, DJ Anubis actually bought me a very fancy keyboard from Radio Shack. God bless Radio Shack, the best place ever. And, um... When I was younger, though, when my grandmother was still alive, so this is 1992 and before 1992, I had a smaller keyboard, and the way that I would practice playing, they literally had, like, little stickers that said, this is an A, this is a B, et cetera, et cetera. And my my grandmother loved this band. She absolutely, I, you know, and she was going through my songbook, and she said to me, I really like this song. I want you to learn how to do this song. And as a kid, you know, I'm like nine, ten years old, learning how to sight read, learning how to, you know, read music and stuff. Still not that great, trust me. But this band, The Police, her favorite song was Every Breath You Take. And it was in my songbook, and I would, like, you know, key it out just by the melody. I was still struggling with doing the harmonies and learning the chords and stuff. But for me, I think um, there are several police songs that I like. I like Synchronicity, too. I really do like Every Breath You Take just because it reminds me of my grandma. But this well, that entire album is amazing. Yeah, it is. But this song, for me, it's kind of corny. And because I grew up in a family, as I said earlier, that really likes rock music, the first time I heard this song, I know I was a kid, but I said to myself, I really... I really want somebody to sing this song about me one day. Like, I want somebody to hear, to like, feel inspired, like, on a musical, on, in a movie, and say, I'm gonna sing this song about you. And that song is, Every little thing she does is magic. <laughs> 
Yeah, the thing is, we watched that doc on them, and, like, I did not realize that they had, like, punk rock roots. So, it was kind of interesting that eventually when the 80s came to turn around, uh, they had started to morph themselves more into, like, this pop rock uh, band that they became. But they were very highly successful at it. In fact, like I said, Synchronicity is an amazing record. It's one of the first two cassette tapes I ever owned musically. So, it was that... And Sticks, Kilroy was here, was the first two cassettes that I ever owned. Cassettes are the, um, and I played the shit out of fucking Synchronicity. Like, like I, I went into that when I bought them both. I said, I went into that and I said, probably going to like the Sticks more. Because I already had the vinyl of Paradise Theater. So I'm thinking, Sticks, you know, I like, I like uh, Mr. Roboto, so I'm probably going to love this. I didn't really like any of the other I, songs. I understand that, too, because for me, the album Kilroy was here just like we said with, with Pink Floyd, like, it's not their strongest album. Like, right. Like, Paradise is an amazing album. Right. But there's, like, one or two songs that you're like, yeah, and come on now, Mr. Roboto was, like, played until everybody's ears bled, but it doesn't mean that that album was a flop. It's just conceptually and as a, as a whole, the album wasn't as good. But... What's, there's one other song um, by The Police that I absolutely love, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, oh, there's a lot of them. There. But anyway, there's there's so many. But Don't this, stand so close to me. I like one. I like that one a lot too. But this one to me, like if somebody would like, I I feel like if if you and I were not married and like just some random dude on one of those dating websites just was like, every little thing. I'd be like, yeah, I'm good. I think the thing I like about this song is it's a very fun song. Like, it's it's a beat. Um, the lyrics are pretty cool. Uh, as you said, you know, I'm talking about a particular person in mind. And then it's not like, it doesn't have to be anybody specific, but just in, in general. Like, and it also feels very authentic. Mm-hmm. Like, you feel like, when it was written, it was written for someone. So when it's sung, it doesn't... You know, there are a million love songs out there. But this doesn't play off like a love song. Right. It plays off like an admiration song. Yeah, and then there's like a portion in the middle of the lyrics where he's like, I asked her to marry me, or I want to ask her to mm-hmm. marry me, but I can't pick up the phone. That's just one of those things, like, in the nerves of a guy who's really into a girl and can't say anything about it, but he understands that he's how he feels around her. So, so here is Neko's pick of the week, The Police, Every Little Thing She Does Every Is Magic. Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic. It's not karaoke hour. <laughs> Audio Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow. And we will break new ground. Cayman from the land below the wind. Take my feet, 
DJ Neko's Pick of the Week.
What's up? This is Alan from Without Warning. Eric from Without Warning. Jason from Without Warning. You're listening to the Hordes of Chaos. <laughs> MetalTavern.com. <laughs> What's that? Did I miss that when they were here? I think so. I think that was when uh, you were gone. I was out on a boat. Out on a boat. I'm on a boat. You might have been upstairs or something. I don't know because that was a while ago. DJ New is back with you as well. And DJ Nico. Yeah, Nico's here too. Nico's here. Nico's here. (laughs) That's my theme song. Nico's here. So. Anubis and I, we were just like chatting during the, uh, as we always do, during the rock block. And I said, oh, I'm listening to every little thing she does is magic. And I'm like, fuck, man, the drumming on this. And I know it's a very simple song, but everything is kind of done in like 16th. That's my version of 16th. And, um, you're like, yeah, it's Stuart Towns. And I'm like, yeah! Stuart Copeland. Sorry, Stuart Copeland. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what is wrong with me? I think she needs no more I wine. I need more wine. No more wine. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, you... Sometimes when you listen to songs, again, just like uh, every little thing she does is magic, I listen to it very often, and I enjoy it very often, but when you really stop and analyze it, small things like that kind of like come to the forefront you're like it's the little details that take the song kind of over the top to me so it's the lyrics are cute and they're amazing but when i started listening to it i'm like it's just something about the way that they're drumming it just uh it added that extra detail and it was very subtle too. It wasn't like, you know, painkiller, double bass drums, and a thousand cymbals and toms. It was just like little tiny. Well, it's amazing. We talked about it a few episodes back about how, like, for a trio, they were able to get such a massive sound. With them, Rush, uh, ZZ Top. Yeah. Like, when you have these bands that are chart topping, amazing platinum record bands, and it's just. Three people who, by the way, the same, you know, the police, ZZ Top, Rush, it's the same group. It's not like they're plugging people in and saying, oh, we're going to have like a studio drummer. And then like, so you have the three same minds together for a very long time and they're able to conceptualize things and kind of stay on board with each other. And I find that more than anything because... How hard is it to work with somebody for thirty years? Well, they went away. I, I mean, I know, I know they the eventually split broke up, up, but right. I mean, it's amazing to me. We've you 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 see it and you don't see it, but when you have a three piece who can put together, because I know I'm old and I know you're old, but like in the nineties, speak if, for yourself. Hey, yeah, right. Um, in the nineties, one of the biggest things was for me at least one of the biggest things was ska bands and you had like a whole horn set well look, the stray cats they came out in in the 80s like you had this band it was a fucking huge ass band you're able to replicate that feeling in the police and it's just like three people so 
phenomenal. Phenomenal. Again, phenomenal. And I love that song. And it gives me, like, little girly goosebumps every time I hear it. (laughs) (laughs) So almost two years ago, we did a show uh, celebrating King of the Monsters. Yes, I remember, too, because I was pissed off. I was, well, I wasn't that pissed off. I was in Hawaii. And... And King of the Monsters came out, and I was I was out on a job, so I'm like, you can't go see it without anyone without me because it's Godzilla. Dude, she knew I wasn't gonna be hanging around. For but that. we went together again because it was a short job. I was only I gone. saw it twice by myself, then I went with her to see it the third time. Then of course bought the DVD, but. I mean, I was only going like 45 days, so like it was still in the theaters. It wasn't like we had to go hunt down some random scary theater down in, in the hood to go there. But we have been... The weird thing about you and I is we are almost 11 years apart. And we met and just realized we had so many similar like interests. interests. The Kung Fu, the Godzilla, and for me, it was literally because I just have never been a very good sleeper. So, late at night, I have my TV on. What is on, you know, cable access, Godzilla, Kung Fu, random large monster movies. And when we started, like, getting this hype, so when when I'm out sailing what we do because you know there's we trade movies and I know that sounds weird but everybody has their own hard drive and we we trade mo- but one movie that I always always go back to because it's actually very comforting is the first Godzilla movie because I think it it's so beautifully done and then the second Godzilla movie came out and I think I have expressed my my likes and dislikes. The one thing I love about the the second Godzilla is the monsters are amazing, and I I can't. Might have to watch that tonight. We can. I, I the one thing I really like about it, though, coming from the first Godzilla, is the first Godzilla had lots of little Easter eggs. You know, like the um, paper Rodans and. Um, just little things that you weren't, you know, expecting quite yet. And the second one, when you can make Mothra look like this beautiful, ethereal, like, angel moth, it just, ah, the humans just get in the way. Let me just put it that way. Yeah, well, that's always everyone's biggest complaint is the humans. But the reality about all that is, is that there isn't really that much more human interaction as there is with past Godzilla films, but people remember things differently and whatnot, but nevertheless, um, I, I know that, like, when it came to Samurai and Lady Blood, they, one of their biggest complaints was... They blew their load in the trailer. Well, that was one, but the other one was, she made a good point, is that when you were watching the fighting with the monsters, like, just as it was really kind of getting good, they would just cut away to another human scene. I think and that's yeah, 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 yeah. So here we are with Godzilla versus Kong because we knew that shit was coming because again Easter eggs at the end of King of the Monsters, and the world of Keiju has just gone crazy. Like it's everyone's gone ape shit for it. No pun intended. Ew. But uh, again, the debates are up because in this one, it appears that Godzilla is not the nice guy. 
Um, Kong, of course, is now, judging by the trailer, they have some moments where he's basically kind of winning the fight. So, there are some other things in the trailer that we learn about what's going on. And there's a couple of quotes. One by, um, I can't remember the character's name, but obviously Millie Bobby Brown's going to be back as her character. And then her father, who played in King of the Monsters, is back. And both of them make comments about uh, what's going on a little bit to make you wonder if there's something else afoot. It's almost like a Sherlock Holmes thing here where the father says, we got to figure out why... Godzilla is attacking people. It's not normal. And then, of course, Millie Bobby Brown is saying that something is provoking him. Now, again, because this is a trailer, these could be referenced to something different entirely. So we maybe Yeah, because it could just be they're trying to hook you. Right. Um, we do see a part in the trailer early on, which is something we're not too shocked about. We knew Mecha Godzilla was going to be in there, so there's a little quick clip at the beginning where you see his face, um, which is very fucking cool. We learned that there's this company called Apex, which is either... It's some sort of competing organization to Monarch, and I'm not sure if it's good or bad. I think we, we learned that Sarazawa, who was the... Played by Wannabe, Wantamini, I forget his name. Yeah. In the uh, first two movies, his son is a part of this, and there's a scene where the son is speaking about how troubled uh, the planet is right now. And of course, in the background is this digital interface where there's actually a sort of a uh, a mimicked. imprint of Mechagodzilla behind him. So, I'm not sure if he's playing a part with Apex or not, or if that's just another part of Monarch. We don't know. Um, There's a lot of theories going around. Some of us, this guy included, uh, believes or hopes that Mechagodzilla is sort of putting on the Godzilla's skin and creating havoc in that way. Uh, I've seen people be upset about that because they don't want that, but for me... <laughs> but see, Mechagodzilla is, like, the whole first movie. Think about it. Like, that's kind of how it was. Well, you know, 74 with Godzilla and Mechagodzilla is one of my favorite Godzilla movies of all time. So, and in that movie, of course, uh, early on, people were confused because Godzilla was fighting Angiris. And then we learned later on that, sure enough, yeah, that was a fake Godzilla. Um, I think the problem that some people have right now with this trailer is that they're hoping that the fights between Kong and Godzilla isn't all just Mecha Godzilla, or if that's the case. For me, I have a feeling it's going to be both because I think if Mecha Godzilla is going around creating this like havoc, then he's basically saying, "Hey, I'm Godzilla doing this. I'm not Mecha Godzilla. So when Godzilla finally shows up chasing around whatever he thinks he's chasing around, sure enough, he's going to fight Kong on some capacity. So I think you're going to get a little bit of both. Uh, whether or not that's true, it's just theories. You know, no one really knows. But uh, for me, being a big fan of 74, I do hope that that plays out like that. Other theories are, of course. Well, everybody, like you said, with the eyes, when everybody's like, in the, I I told DJ Anubis one of my biggest problems with the King of the Monsters is I saw too many trailers and it it just 
completely just blew their load and it was no surprise and so he wanted to show me a kong versus godzilla and you want no part of it i'm like i don't want to watch it at i all. said but we've got to fucking talk about it okay so i said i'll see one yeah. and that's all and the big thing is the eyes everybody's like look at godzilla's eyes look at godzilla's eyes and I, I see where you're coming from because maybe it is Mecha Godzilla who's being the bad Godzilla. But Godzilla has never been like good versus bad. Like, what? think about the shit, like the old, old. He's like stomping Tokyo. Like, he is not like. Well, some of this shit takes place in Tokyo, and, and part of the, the confusion is at the end of King of the Monsters, one of the characters actually. There's two of them, they're talking, and this is after Godzilla defeats Ghidorah, you know, they're like, well, I'm glad he's on our side, and the chick's like, well, for now. And so that kind of leaves his door open, like, well, maybe Godzilla, you know, might turn on us. Maybe Godzilla ain't got time for our bitch asses. Right, maybe he's just tired, and someone made a funny joke in reference to 98, they're like, well, you'd be pissed too if they didn't just, like, you'd save the world, and then they leave you a big pile of fish. (laughs) So... (laughs) But uh, the other theory is, of course, Mecha Godzilla might have a a mechanism in him, uh, the orc or whatever, might be controlling Godzilla and making him do some of these things. But I've seen some of the other clips and stills, and some of the stances by the Godzilla in there it looks more like Mecha. Like it reminds me a lot of the Mecha we saw in uh, Ready Player One. Uh, just the way it kind of moves. So I'm thinking, ooh, maybe this is really Mechagodzilla. You know, I really like that movie, and I know you really like that movie too. And again, that's also a book. I have a hard time, though. Um, I don't, I don't know how you feel with with books versus movies. Um, if I see a movie that I love. And then I read the book. Everybody's always like, the book is so much better. And that was kind of true with, like, Jurassic Park. Um, But one of my my favorite books, or excuse me, movies, was Silver Linings Playbook. And I read the book, and I'm like, this is a pile of garbage. And I'm so glad they made all the changes. So, like, Ready Player One, I, I hope, would be just as good in the book. And I'm wondering, too, like, because Godzilla almost has, like, a James Bond legacy, and you know all these James Bond movies came from books, like, do, are there Godzilla books out there? Not comic books, but, like, actual uh, stories that have some depth to them where you can be like, okay, so... I'm sure they might, but I don't know if they're really thought out like that. Like, I know what you're saying, because... In some cases, books to movies, uh, for instance, I read the book It by Stephen King long before the first movie and came out on TV, and neither one of them really lived up to it. And, I, and funnily enough, the TV version was much better than the movie versions. I agree. The TV, like the miniseries, was way better than the remake they just made. Which is funny because TV, you're always <laughs> regulated to certain, you know, PG status or, or status, whatever, but... Uh, I don't know. Either way, like, um, Harry Potter, I never read the books, but I love the movies. I would think that if I read the books, maybe I might feel differently. I know people who read the books think the books are so much better than the movies. I, um, I have a lot of 
<clears throat> friends and, and family members who read the books, even though they are like, uh, they're, they're considered young adult books. Mm -hmm. And they said their biggest, I guess, beef with the movies is that there's so much that the movies left out because they even though they're two and a half hour movies already they just couldn't there's a lot of content now. yeah I, I made a mistake before the last two movies were released because there were two parts uh i read like basically which is the cliff notes version of the book and so when i went and saw deathy hollows one there was a particular scene with the silver doe that i was not happy with Oh, because you read the book? Because I read what they well, had the in the book. Notes, right. yeah. And it was a lot more emotional and touching in the book than it was mm -hmm. in the movie because they had changed it up, and I hate Yates for that. But <laughs> So I, I kind of understand people's thing. There are other things you learn about the book versus the movies that says, oh, well, that's why that's happening. Because, like, for a long time I didn't realize that Hermione and Ron were actually liking each other in that way. Because they didn't really show it on screen, right? And that's and that's sort of good in a way when you're not familiar with the book, because it just it's a nice little surprise you get towards the end. But either way, uh, a lot of hype over Godzilla and Kong. Uh, there's also now because of what's going on now. One, they've already moved back Godzilla again. At first, it was in May, then they moved it to March. Now they're moving it to March 31st. So they moved it back like a few days because they, it's Easter weekend. They want to get an extra day in there. They just released uh, a little tweet saying why they moved it because they want to get a few more bodies in the theaters if they can. At least make it accessible. And also that releasing it early like they were. They were competing with uh, Zack Snyder's uh, re-release of Justice League, which I have no intentions of seeing because DC stuff is really sucked anyway. It's kind of crazy with me with Zack Snyder because he's good. He did fucking Watchmen. It's fucking and amazing. he did the Three Hundred. Yeah, those are amazing movies. <laughs> but like, we have no interest in Justice League. I saw uh, that the one he put out and it sucked. And I'm not thinking that you add in another half hour or hour to it, it's going to make it any better. I um. I was listening to the the Chad Dukes podcast um, the other day, and they were talking about Alien Three, believe it or not, and they all did like a rewatch of Alien Three. And just for a note, you mentioned Samurai. They did a. Uh, uh, is it really that bad on that movie? Oh, really? Yeah. the The interesting thing that I found with Alien Three, though. Besides just, like, people are like, oh, is it really that bad? Um, the, the director, um, who also directed Seven, I can't think of his name now. It's, it's kind of, like, in a block, but he's a very good director. He was a very talented director. He was a music video director for, like, Madonna and Nine Inch Nails. Um, yeah, I think they brought that up. And I was, I was like surprised when they mentioned him. I'm like, oh wow, really? But he, I, I guess because he was so young at the time when he did Alien 3, he was kind of under like a microscope. So Fox really neutered his movie. And recently they um, re released, they didn't call it the director's cut, but they called it like the extended cut or the special cut because. They reached out to the director and said, hey, 
we want to do like a director's cut and he's like I want nothing to do with this movie because it was just like such a bad experience for him and when you watch Alien, Aliens, Alien 3 are all very long movies to begin with but from what I heard on the Chad Dukes show podcast is that if you have the DVD with the extended version watch it because whoever did the extended version really did capture like the director's eye because a lot of the stuff that was kind of cut for time and not not really for content but cut for time you start seeing a little bit more depth of the characters and I'm like alright I can't remember the last time I saw Alien 3 at all so now I need to wa I want to watch them all because I can't remember the last time I watched Alien Aliens or Alien 3 and I remember Aliens the most because you had like the mecha suit and everything um, so maybe that's something that we need to do like since we're in quarantine for 10 days we can I, I think we well, have a couple of movies I do want to get to um We'll have to talk about it because I don't know. They might be something you have to pay for. I have to look into it because Psycho Gorman's out apparently. I don't know how, if it's on Shutter yet or not. I haven't looked. What is Psycho Gorman? You remember that, uh, the girl that conjures a demon and he's like cutting jokes? You remember? We, yes! We saw the trailer for that. Yes! Yeah, yes! So, so apparently that's been released. It's out now? Yeah. Um. Okay, so back to Godzilla and Kong. Back to Godzilla, where we love just talking horror, Godzilla, everything. Um, so there's a couple other things happening with, uh, even though Godzilla and Kong is not going to be out for another couple months, but uh, apparently HBO Max is working on a Godzilla series uh, feature around Monarch itself. Oh, they're going to kind of do like what Marvel's doing. Yeah, so which is great because a lot of us fans have been talking about the MonsterVerse with Legendary and all this and how... We don't know if they're going to do another movie out of this trilogy. It'd be nice if they did. However, if they can do things like Marvel did with the series and even DC and do it mm -hmm. well, that'd be a lot of fun. Especially Godzilla. you got to love it. Uh, Netflix is doing also their own thing with Kong School Island. However, I'm not as crazy about this one because it's going to be anime. and I, Not that I have anything against anime. You love anime! I just don't know, like... I wish it'd be part of the same universe as the other stuff. So, if they were going to do Kong Skull Island, a series based on that, I wish they would just do with real actors. And it's all based upon the shipwreck survivors in Skull Island. I mean, it is it is cheaper to do anime. Of course it is, but... What I think, like, kind of back to what I was saying, um, I, I want, I wish... And I might be wrong. I wish there was like a a Godzilla like book series where somebody actually had taken the time to say, "Hey, I'm gonna go and and delve deeper into these characters, etc." Well, I know they have like art books and stuff like that based off the movie because that's where some of the concept art came with, like. Like they they actually had books when they did King of the Monsters where there's pictures of Angarius and uh, Gigon and you know some of these other characters that that never showed up in the movies but 
Oh, that's right, because remember when I ordered you those uh, stickers? Yeah. And you're like, he's not even in the movie. Right. So, yeah, I mean, if they did some other series or movies based off that universe with Guy in them, that'd be so much fun. So we'll have to see what happens. Uh, I Either do... way, we'll be there. Trust us. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Neko and I are going to be going to the movies first. And then, of course, we have HBO Max, so we'll be watching it a couple more times when it's on there. I'm not sure which one. I think it's all same-day release. But, um, of course, some of that's going to be what's going on with quarantining and everything well, else. Well, that's, that's the interesting thing about HBO Max, and I guess you and I didn't realize this, but HBO Max has kind of been working itself out as the new uh, movies. Yeah. Everything is being released simultaneously on HBO Max and, like, Tenet. And I've heard good and bad things about Tenet. So I, I don't know how I feel yet yeah. about Tenet, but I, I've heard, like, good and bad things about Yeah, the, the Christopher Nolan fan of me wants to really see it, but I've, I've heard various, you know, things regarding it. Some people say it doesn't really live up to the hype. Others say it's just more brilliance on Nolan's part, so uh, it's just a matter I have to see what happens there with that. Anywho, let's get back into our music. What do we have coming up next, DJ Anubis? Got some Varmia uh, Fuginosis. What? 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 Yeah, I don't know. It's French, I think. Um, this here, but anyway, uh, a lot of black metal coming your way for oh. sure. Gotta kick it off from uh, Merzade, uh provided by Inverse Records, and this is called Rotten Sights. <laughs>
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you would find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you out. All right. That was my sexy uh, radio voice, but it was not sexy. Try to do like the Adrian Barbo from right. the Fog. All right. What was, it? what was the name of the Antonio Bay? <laughs> yeah. No, it sounds more like the Warriors, where they're like, Oh, yeah. I hear you, Warriors. All right, Babas. All right, Babas. You out there, I hear them Warriors from Coney Island. Trying to make it home. <laughs> What, what was it uh, the one scene she's like uh, seems like our our wonderful boys made it past first and I'm trying to make it all the way home just after they beat the base, uh -huh. baseball furies I shit was great God I love that I love the Warriors Wait, is that an American yeah. action film it would be mm -hmm. or is Poltergeist a better action film. Poltergeist or excuse is me, Predator is a better action film. Predator's really good too. I mean you can pick I can pick almost fifty fucking movies put in there. Die hard. Yeah. Yippee Kaye, motherfucker! Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. Come to the coast, we'll have a few laughs. Where's my detonators? <laughs> Hans, Booby, I'm your white knight. knight. Yeah. Christ. Jesus Christo. So, I think not too long ago, probably a couple of episodes ago, you did a, a pick of the week with Twisted Sister. Yeah, we did. Twisted Sister had an amazing Christmas album probably 20 years ago. And I told you, everything sounded like we're not going to take it. And then you played Oh Come All You Faithful, and it sounded like we're not going to take it. But it was amazing. Like... What do you want from a Twisted Sister Christmas album? Do you want it to sound like the fucking Trans-Siberian Orchestra? Or do you want it to sound like well, and that's the Twisted thing. Sister? I recently had heard, a few months back, Rob Halford did a Christmas album. And I did not like it that much. And that's the thing. I think... Was I can't he? really pinpoint like what I'd want out of a Christmas album like I, it, it, it's more just uh, what would you call just, it's not really something you'd really get into I mean it's cool in some ways but at the same time it's like just give me a fucking album you know just give me a metal album well I, I love Christmas albums don't get me wrong because and I, and I think I, if I like something like that what you just mentioned with the orchestra, that's more my speed, I think. You want... Da, 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 yeah. yeah. And you want the don't, lasers and... Don't even need fucking lyrics, man. Just throw the music in there and rip it. But that's the one thing I loved about the Twisted Sister Christmas album, because they weren't trying to, like, dress it up. They right. They were, like... They just basically put it over their own it was music. Like, oh, come 
Right. And there's other people that enjoyed that record as well. Like I saw people commenting that they actually liked that Christmas record, so that's probably why, because they didn't bother trying to get too crazy with it. Like, yeah, I'll just take. Uh, we're not gonna take it. We're gonna put. This you were song gonna up. make every song sound like we're not gonna take it, right. and it's gonna be like. <gasps> but jingle bells. <laughs> Twisted Sister, obviously, towards the end of the '80s, they kind of ran out of steam, and. Even Which though, is unfortunate. Yeah, even though they kind of gotten back together over the years, and then D's got his solo thing going where he does both his solo work, which his last solo album is really good. Holy shit, yeah. Some of the stuff that D Snyder has done recently, solo, like if you just go on YouTube and type in D Snyder, first you're going to see his entire like deposition on Capitol Hill. But after that, you're going to see him raw, like... He is stripped down singing from his heart, which, to me, more power to you. Yeah, he's still got a lot of the metal in his blood, and he does his radio show, Hair hair Metal or whatever, on the weekends, I think, still. And But there's this channel called Reels, R-E-E-L-Z. And in 2018, they had their own documentary series called Breaking the Band, where they just basically featured... I remember that. I don't know if I ever watched it. I mean, no, I, I know I've I watched to, it. Though. But they take different bands from the past, and they, they kind of break them down into episodes about how they broke up and why, whether it's drug addiction or just falling out with... I'd love to see the one they do on Skid Row. I was getting ready to say Sebastian. Baz would probably be a fucking nightmare. He'd be like, they stole my moisturizer. But I think... And and apparently D was the one narrating a lot of those episodes. Like, he was the one... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, of course, his band comes up and he wants to narrate it as well. The thing about D I read is that he does take ownership of being a big part of the reason why the band no longer is around. Um, but, uh, one of the funny things about this show was they did one on Motley Crue, and apparently, um, Vince Neil and Nikki Six both slammed the episode because, uh, it, it wasn't approved by then. Now, it could be just because the ba- uh, the, the documentators are just, like, being pretty raw about it front like front and center like some bammers don't want shit spilled out without their consent and i think that might be one reason why they're angry about it but they apparently were so upset about it that they were like our lawyers sent them a cease and desist and further action will be taken uh reels channel is the bottom of the barrel uh yeah it says mostly incorrect and without the body's permission meaning there wasn't permission from the band to do it but uh, I don't know how many episodes they have, but I'm very uh, interested in seeing one, seeing them all, actually, because, look, I mean, Motley Crue was a train wreck in, as far as their personal lives were going for a long time, and uh, even in the, what was it, The Dirt that we saw on Netflix, the nice little show that made Yeah, it, it was, but it was not even a documentary, it was more like a dramatized version right. of them. Right, and it was pretty good. I mean, it did fine, but obviously I'm sure the band had their own input about like what could be seen and what couldn't. Uh, but, yeah, Bronco, Breaking the Band chronicles the reasons why some of the most influential bands in the history of music called it quits. And, uh, Right now, Twisted Sister is going to be one of those topics, and 
I feel like Breaking the Band was on VH1 like years ago. Either that or another form of it. I don't know if it's the same or not. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I, I liked, because Dee had done like an interview with Fox News and they were asking him a bunch of questions. He's like, well, yeah, you know, that was, that was a big reason for that. I had a pretty big ego and... I wasn't myself, and, you know, just at the time, I didn't really admit it that I was a problem, and, you know, all this other stuff going on, and, I don't know, it, at one point they're saying here, he says, well, so I'm going to be reading a copy about me breaking up my own band, he said. This is like going back in time and seeing yourself in the past. I said to him, can I make comments while reading the copy? And they said, you can try. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sure... It, it's going to be kind of hard for him to admit some things and then at the same time to remain members because AJ uh, Perro had died in 2019, I think, somewhere along the lines. And uh, so they pretty much disbanded altogether at that point, not containing him without him. But like I said, D's doing his own thing where he's doing his solo work plus some of those Twisted Sister tunes. Mm -hmm. so. So we'll be looking at that Reels, uh, Reels channel. That's when you see if there's an app for that. Hopefully it doesn't cost me any money. <laughs> We're about to cancel. We're about to cut the cord. Alright, well, um, we're going to get back into some music. And guess who's back? Mr. Nuno Lorenko. Guess who's back? Back again. We Shit talked a lot back. about his uh, 09 album uh, from last, well, actually earlier. No, it was last year, 2020. The thing I love about Nuno is he's got so many sides to him, like, but he also segregates. Oh, and today is his anniversary with his wife, so. Oh, really? Yeah. That's really sweet. Yeah. He is so talented, and even if something is not my cup of tea, I, it, it's still a very good album. With, with him, what I, I really like is everything... You have to realize, people, like, pretty much everything he does, he does on his own. So he writes, he writes the music, he writes the lyrics, and then he'll be like, this is for my black metal, and this is for my thrash, and this I is mean, for he's my done things, symphonic. He's done things with, like, other people, but, yeah, mainly he's the main songwriter for a lot of his own personal project, like Selkwe and mm -hmm. Zero Nine, but... Uh, in this project, uh, Thermo Haline, Haline I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, he's probably going to kill me, but uh, they put out like an EP last year, they have a new record this year, uh, full length called uh, Maelstrom, and he does works with a gentleman named uh, Leonard Jansen, and I'm not sure where he's from, but the locations they give is Argentina, Brazil, and Belgium, so there's a cross, uh, cross water stuff there, so that's kind of cool. And it's, again, it's more in the avant-garde black metal vein, but uh, I really enjoyed your EP. I really enjoyed this record a lot, too, as well. I'm still kind of soaking it in. Um, so we're going to kick off our next blog. I've also got some uh, Hand of Kalak from Metal Message and Rageful from uh, Metal Devastation Radio. So here we go. Brand new Thermo Highline. Are you pronouncing that wrong? I don't know. Thermo Highline? Yeah, that's what you start making it sound better to me. Is, is that right? Thermohaline? I guess. Thermohaline? Thermohaline? 
I don't know. He'll, he'll, he'll correct us when he, when he hears this. He's going to like, you guys really fucked it up. He'll be like, listen. Listen to the words I'm speaking. It's coming out of my mouth. All right, here we go.
Raven and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio.
right. Getting ready to close another episode of the Hordes of Chaos out of here. Closing it like a book. A book. I will get ready to say something. That's why we're together. Great minds take a like. Hope you all enjoyed this episode. We will be back with another next week, of course. So, you as DJ Anubis, who curates all of these songs and really, really just puts so much thought and effort into everything, what is your favorite part about putting together a podcast? Is it listening to the music, or is it, like... Because we watch a lot of things, and we talk about... You and I talk about a lot of things... Is it is it the little uh, breaks in the music where we're talking about things, or is it like the effort that you put into listening to new music? Um, at this stage, it's probably talking a little bit. You know, you know, that's one thing that uh, we wanted when we restarted the podcast to try to do more of, which we have. And I mean, I still love listening to music a lot, and I love debuting the new music you know, singles that we choose to put up and everything. I love when you find something that you're like, you, you just like kind of grab my arm and say, you're, you're, you're going to love this. I, I I like the excitement in your eyes and, and how passionate you are. So I I know what's, what's great about your job and my job sometimes to a point, you and I have time to kind of like listen to music because... You know, we, granted, I should not listen to music while I'm operating heavy machinery, so I don't. I don't do it when I'm on a forklift or when I'm, like, actually using tools. But when I, when I'm at work, and, like, today is a perf this week is a perfect example because I've been doing a lot of paperwork. So, if you said, hey, Neko, listen, here's you know, 20 tracks I want you to listen to, I could easily pop in the headphones and work and listen to it because I was just, like, going through the motions and, and doing paperwork at my desk. I, the one thing that made me, I don't want to say sane, because I am not sane, but when I'm away, the best part about being away is when you would email me and you're like, this is a new track or, oh, this is my new podcast. And that made me happy because I felt a connection back to home. You know what I mean? So you, you'd say, listen, hey, new podcast is up. And because the connection is so bad out in the ocean, you would always send me an MP3 and I'd listen to it and I'd feel, oh, my heart. And just hearing your voice and hearing how excited you were about different things just made me really happy. So I think for me, if I'm split 50-50. I love the new music and I love the topics too, but your enthusiasm about either or kind of like draws me in. So if you said to me, hey, this is this is already it's it's January of 2021 already one of my top you know records of the year mm -hmm. I'd, I'd listen immediately because it's been three weeks into 2021 if you said to me baby watch this you have to you're gonna love it I'd be because you have this passion 
in your heart about things and what I can just like hear it in your voice and even when I'm away I when I'm I'm saying like hear it in your voice I can hear it in your typing you're like baby you have to watch this documentary you have to listen to this and when you tell me and when you say it the way that you say it I know you loved it so to me enjoying something with you is way like up here versus just being like eh, I'm just gonna throw on some old tracks we're gonna listen to just some Weezer or whatever but for us when I hear you give me the passion I'm a hundred percent give me the passion give me the passion baby all right gonna close out with some new Colosso uh, progressive death uh, progressive death groove metal from Portugal last album I remember them from was rebirth in 2018. They have a new one called Hate Worlds, and this is called Cleansing, and we're out of here. Cleansing. Peace. <laughs>